Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast presented by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL player who drinks way too many daddy sodas. I'm having an awesome summer, I got to tell you. But man, a lot of daddy sodas, they got a lot of calories in them and then leads to leads to bad eating. Not good. What is good is this show. We are presented by DraftKings. You can check us out on social media. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. And here's two interesting things about today's show, all right? Number one, we got to talk about the Texas-Oklahoma thing. There's a lot to get to. But number one, I made my bones in the NFL as being a guy that can get the job done when called upon. I can't tell you how many games I went in because a starter got hurt. I know this. I never started a season opener, but I started 25 games. So that's like three year, three or four years where guy got hurt, I go in, didn't lose the job. I had to be ready and available when it was time. Today, that is Fran Duffy. That is one of the original <laughs> founders of the College Draft Podcast. Check him out on social media at Eagles X and O. So there's so many different things to say here. So first of all, Today is when the Philadelphia Eagles report to training camp. So having Fran on the show today is amazing. Secondly, Emery is under the weather and texted me at 5 a.m. and said, man, my throat, I can't go. I got Fran. I texted Fran at 6.30. It's 8.30 and we're recording. Fran Duffy is there for me when I need him, ready to go, prepared. He's the man. Next man up mentality. <laughs> and this whole show was his idea. You know, Fran, I, I know there's a lot of longtime listeners, but we also have a lot of new listeners that probably don't even realize that this show was actually your brainchild. It was. And I remember the first time talking to you about it was like, hey, like you're doing, you've obviously got Ross Tucker football pod and you already started Fantasy Feast with Evan, uh, Evan Silva at that point. And I was like, look, you're already kind of getting into these niche audiences. Let's do, uh, let's do one talking about college football in the draft. Yeah. And it's awesome now, Fran. I'm glad you did. 
because, first of all, we talk about the NFL draft and the best prospects. Secondly, we talk about the biggest college football games. And now, number three, during the season, Emory actually makes picks uh, against the spread. So, like, you, you're getting, in my mind, almost three shows for the price of one when you listen to College Draft Podcast because you're getting the College Football Podcast, the NFL Draft Podcast, and the College Football Betting Podcast if you are into that sort of thing. What I am into is people like you, Fran, stepping up and saving the day. We were going to do Big Ten as we continue our Power Five conference preview with Emory. We'll save that for next week now. And instead with you, we will dive into the Big 12, which is very appropriate, Fran, because there are some major happenings in college football and in the Big 12. We must address them. Evidently, Texas and Oklahoma, it's a done deal. They're flashing the deuces to the Big 12. They're moving on to the SEC at some point. And you got to think, Fran, in some way, shape, or form, that this will really just be the first domino to fall, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember the last realignment, Ross. You and I talked about this, and it was kind of we, we kind of knew that this would be down the road, right? It's kind it's kind of like when the college football playoff was announced, and oh, they're going to do a, a fourteen playoff. It's like, all right, well, they're going to do this for a few years, but eventually, it's going to get to eight, or it's going to get to twelve, or it's going to get to sixteen. The last time there was that big realignment when. Texas A&M went to the SEC with Missouri and Colorado and Utah went to the Pac-12. It's like, all right, well, at some point, it stands to reason that there's going to be a, a period where we go to these super conferences. And I really feel like this is the first domino that's going to lead us down that path. Some people may not like it, and I get why, but I do think that that's ultimately the path that this is going to go down, is that everybody is going to kind of get into four big conferences. What happens to the Big 12? I got to imagine that they're one of these teams where the you know the the Big Ten poaches a couple, the Pac-12 poaches a couple, and then everybody else is kind of left standing. It'll be a game of musical chairs here for the next couple of years. It sounds like that. I, I guess I don't really totally understand what – I mean, I know it all comes down to money. Yep. I guess I, I don't understand. I mean, they, I think they were talking about giving Texas and Oklahoma a 150% share. You know, that sounds like a lot. Um all the games are already on TV. I, I guess I, I I don't know that I fully understand, Fran, what the big difference is between four 16-team super conferences or whatever versus the five conferences we have now. Um, I guess if you're the SEC, you wanted to make sure you think it's going to go down that road. You wanted to get two top-notch programs. And also, if there's going to be 12 teams making the college football playoff, there's not as much concern there anymore about, well, our teams won't make it if, you know, we kind of cannibalize each other. Yeah, and I think that this – honestly, I would love to hear Andrew Brandt talk about this in the business of sports uh, You know, at some point. It would be like a deep dive into these decisions because I, there's pros and cons. You, know, you look at, at Texas, there's pros and cons to saying, okay, we're going to leave the Big 12. Or, hey, if Oklahoma's going to leave, we're the bell of the ball here in this conference. So we're going to be the, the straw that stirs the drink. So I, I think that there are pros and cons. Um, certainly the recruiting aspect comes into it. It's not all, It's also not just football. You have to keep basketball in mind as well. And I think that that will come into play when it comes down to where's Kansas end up in all this. Are, you know, does the Big Ten swoop in and big up, pick up Kansas? And people are like, oh, well, you know, who cares about Kansas football? Well, Kansas basketball, uh, obviously they, they've got a lot of pedigree there. So I think it's going to be really interesting with a lot of these teams. 
but there are going to be some that are certainly left uh, on the outside looking in as well. It's going to be absolutely crazy. I, I yeah. guess, you know, I, I got a lot of questions. Like, yeah. uh, and, and maybe I don't understand, Fran. Maybe I don't follow closely enough. Texas A&M is obviously very unhappy. Why are they so unhappy? Because they had the SEC footprint in Texas, and now you bring Texas back in, and now all of a sudden they've got the they're they're not the big brother anymore. You know, Texas A&M was able to hold that SEC pedigree over Texas on the recruiting trail. Now they don't have that that uh, that arrow in their quiver anymore, right? They've got to be able uh, to find some other kind of edge, and so um, I think that that will be the reason why that they're not happy. But if you're the SEC, if you're the other schools in the SEC, you're like, all right, you know, A and M. You know, you, ha- you had your time, you know, just be happy that you're still here in this group. We're going to bring Texas in. I-, I think it makes plenty of sense for the SEC. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting, though, Ross. So all these other decisions, uh, all these other dominoes yet to fall. Uh, does Iowa State go to the Big Ten? How do the Hawkeyes feel about that? You're going to have those same kind of discussions all around the country. It's a really good point. Texas A&M in any recruiting battle with Texas could say, do you want to play in the best conference or not? Yep. You want to play against Alabama, Auburn, LSU every year or not. And now they don't really have that over Texas. But I thought Jimbo Fisher's quote was interesting, Fran, where he said, careful what you wish for, because the the Big 12 is very winnable. Now Texas is going to go to the SEC and Oklahoma is going to go to the SEC. They're not going to be the favorites to win the conference anymore. That's for sure. No, and and that's the thing is that – but even if you are Oklahoma – how many times have we had these debates, Roz? I know you and I used to have it on the show. It would be, you know, it would be late November, and it would say, "All right, well, you've got a, a one-loss Oklahoma team versus a two-loss SEC team," and you could say the, the two-loss SEC team has the much better resume. Despite, and that's why the discussions are had. And so, if you're Oklahoma, if you're Texas, yeah, you you know you're getting into uh, a better competition. But you also think you're going to have better resources to be able, be able to better tool yourself as well and prepare yourself for those kinds of seasons. Let's dive into, Fran. Um, so let me ask you this, I guess, last question. From a scouting perspective, from an NFL perspective, this is the College Draft podcast, and obviously we're several years away from it. Hmm. Is there really much of a difference other than, I guess, you'll get to see the Texas and Oklahoma kids against better competition week in and week out? That's it, 100%. Think about, like, um, all these players that have come from some of these – and not even just Texas and Oklahoma, but any player in the Big 12. It's like, oh, you know, if if you're watching a receiver, if you're watching Marquise Brown, it's like, all right, well – you're not really going to see him against any good press coverage teams. Now you can say, oh, we're going to to watch him against Georgia. We're going to watch him against Alabama. We're going to watch him against Tennessee. We're going to watch him against Auburn. These guys are loaded with first and second round picks every single year. All right, now we can see some good competition. You watch an offensive tackle, Sam Cosme, from this year with Texas. Uh, Like, I don't know what he's going to see in the Big 12. Now, oh, well, we're going to see him against the best the SEC has to offer on a weekly basis. From an NFL, from a pure scouting standpoint, these moves are great, and the super conferences are great because you want to be able to see best on best, good on good, week in and week out in college football. By the way, Fran, before I forget, your uh, your Twitter picture now makes me very self-conscious. <laughs> because Is it just a very doubtful look in your direction? Yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody needs to check out Fran's Twitter picture, at Eagles XOs. 
He's staring at me because Fran and I did the Eagles draft together. It's literally a picture of Fran, hands folded, looking over at me like, what is this guy going to say now? <laughs> like, it's amazing. Like, I, I feel like I'm being, uh, I feel like I'm being, I'm, I'm self-conscious when I look at your, uh, your Twitter picture. By the way, um, you come on at least once a year and longtime listeners know you did the show for a bunch of years before your Eagles duties grew even even more. You got to make sure you follow Fran's stuff and what he does. Whether you are an Eagles fan or not, the stuff he does is really, it's really next level. Literally, his thing says next level analysis, and it's 100% true. I know a lot of you enjoy listening to Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Fran got a lot of Greg in him. Um, I mean, th- there's a lot of similarities there. And, and and the way you break down the video, it's a must-watch for me, uh, especially the Eagles stuff, but even the college stuff as well. Speaking of that, let's get into it. Big 12, perfect day to talk about them. We'll start with the Oklahoma quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Really interesting. Uh, he's a unique kid, Fran. I did the U.S. Army Bowl a couple years ago when he was in it. I'll tell you what's crazy, by the way. You know, the top two prospects for this draft are kids. I did the Army Bowl in, I guess that was three years ago or two yeah. years ago, whatever it was. Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. And I'm telling you, Fran, Sam Howell looked like a pretty decent high school fullback linebacker to me. Right. Yep. He, he was like 6'1", 225. Like almost a little dumpy, dumpy looking, Frank. Like he did not look like any NFL quarterback that I can really remember. I mean, he was kind of a a bigger kid, like a thicker kid. And then Spencer Rattler was real lean, like real thin. And uh, it's just interesting to see like. How, how the games evolve where, like, those body types are now, like, maybe the top two picks or whatever. I mean, seven years ago, both those guys would have been shrugged off as, like, yeah, like, I don't think we're going to be talking about this guy as a top prospect. But then you get Baker Mayfield go number one overall. Kyler Murray go number one overall. We see this, the uh, consistent success from Russell Wilson, obviously, in Seattle. And the reason he fell was because of his size. That's the only reason he was a third-round pick. If he was two inches taller, he's going in the first round. So I, I think when you see that, you, you can talk about the evolution at the position. But with Spencer Rattler, I mean, you talked about the size. That's going to be the, the question for people. He's you know listed as 6'1". He's right around 200 pounds. The arm talent is outstanding. Uh, he could put the ball where he wants to consistently, not just with velocity and, and throwing distance and you know, the deep ball and all that, but the accuracy and ball placement, uh, whether he's on platform in the pocket or whether he's off platform outside the pocket, uh, making awkward throws from weird angles, he can do all that. And, and that's the, the good. That's what you really, really like with Spencer Rattler. And then you look at the, the bad. The decision-making was not always good, especially the first half of last year. Now, remember, he was just a redshirt freshman a year ago, and he was you know, taking over for Jalen Hurts in that offense at Oklahoma. The decision-making early on wasn't very good. He was benched for all intents and purposes in that Texas game, bounced back, leads into a big overtime victory. I think they went four or five overtimes uh, in that game. So you like the, the bounce back from adversity. And he got better as the season went on. I think to me, when you look at Rattler, and it's funny, you mentioned Greg. I was having a conversation with Greg about Rattler just a, a few weeks ago. And it's going to be very much the discussion around Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes played in a similar kind of offense at Texas Tech. 
and had all the arm talent, had the, the accuracy, ball placement, all that. But he was a very cavalier player. Uh, he played outside of structure. I remember breaking him down to the show. I had a lot of concerns about Patrick Mahomes coming out because it was just like, can he play within the structure of an NFL offense? I don't think that we were at that point in the NFL where you felt great about it. It's going to be the same thing with Spencer Rattler. That does not mean that Spencer Rattler is apples to apples to Patrick Mahomes. They're different body types and all that. But I do think that you're going to need to see that same level, that same step, that same evolution from Spencer Rattler. I'm excited to watch him here as a redshirt sophomore. Can he take that next step with his decision-making, his mental processing, his ability to just get from one to two to three efficiently and within structure? Too often, he wants to break the pocket and run around and make a play, and he can do that. But you don't want to live that way consistently. So I think that'll be really interesting just to watch with Spencer Rattler here this fall. You know, uh, Oklahoma must be in a pretty good place because their quarterback <laughs> might go in the first round. And then your notes for guys you wanted to talk about today, you wrote the entire Oklahoma defensive line. <laughs> Fran, you never we've been doing this show for like five you've never done that before. Their their whole D line, Fran? They've got guys up and down the line, man. Uh, so my favorite might be Perion Winfrey, who was the number one junior college recruit a year ago, ends up at Oklahoma, uh, was, I believe, second team all-conference. Uh, really impressive kid. I mean, he's 6'4", uh, over 300 pounds. He got an offer from Alabama late in the process but stuck with Oklahoma. Uh, so he's got two-gap ability, Ross. But he's really, really disruptive. He's got a quick first step. All these guys have a high motor, and he could chase the action. The production, I want to see just take another step in the right direction this year. But I think this is a guy that's got really maybe the highest ceiling of that group. Uh, he's a guy that really intrigues me on the inside. They've got another guy in Jalen Redmond who opted out last year, did not play a year ago, but also twitched up rusher, undersized defensive tackle that can get after the quarterback. Then you go to the edges. Uh, obviously, you've got Nick Benito, who's kind of like a, an undersized, squatty rusher, high-end athlete. Now, this is a guy that can get after quarterbacks, uh, really rangy, played with his hand in the dirt and uh, standing up, really, really athletic, explosive, all that. So you kind of have him on one side. And then on the other side, uh, you've got Isaiah Thomas, who th they actually called him the defensive MVP a year ago because he played so many different positions along the defensive front. He's kind of long. He can win in a couple of different ways. He's powerful. He's deceptively athletic. I like Isaiah Thomas, Laurent Stokes as well, another junior college transfer. So you've got another a number of guys along that front that can that have the ability to play in the NFL and I think are going to be draftable when it's all said and done. Wow. Very, very impressive. Almost as impressive as my hair. Check it out, okay? You can see me when I do the shows with Fran. I'm doing the Eagles preseason games. One of them, I think, is even nationally televised. And my hair looks good thanks to Keeps. I've been a Keeps customer for years. The reality is two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. That's lots of you. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. Here's the deal. There's two FDA-approved hair loss medications. The FDA doesn't approve them unless they have research, tangible evidence that it works. I am tangible evidence that it works. I take a pill every morning, and I got a topical solution I rub on that my bald spot at the top of my head in the morning and at night. It works. Trust me. The number of the one piece of advice I would give all you guys, start before you think it's time. Before you think you need it, start. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash draft to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash draft 
to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash draft. All right. Speaking of the draft, Fran, let's get to some running backs. I think our buddy Dane Brugler, if I'm not mistaken, had Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State, maybe as his number one running back. I believe he did, and Brees Hall is a load. He is a really fun player to watch. Six foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's tall with a thick frame. And he's a big, strong runner who handles contact really well in every area of his game. He rarely puts the ball on the ground. He's really patient, Ross, and that's why you're going to get like the the Le'Veon Bell comparisons, right? Where you know he's slow to the line of scrimmage. But then he's able to find that hole, and he could take off. He's more explosive than you would think um, for a 200-plus-pound back. Um, His eyes are always in the right place, whether he's as a runner or as a pass protector. Not a high-volume pass target in the pass game. That'll be a question, but that's fine because you, you see plenty of backs that aren't used in the pass game that show the ability to do it, and then all of a sudden to get to the NFL. Jonathan Taylor did that last year, and he had, you know, what did he have, 36, 37 catches uh, after having like six in his entire college career. So I'm not necessarily worried about that as long as he shows the traits. I just look at, at Brees Hall. This guy's got power. He's got vision. He's got some make-you-miss ability. I really like his patience. He's got the ability to be a three-down back. Uh, Brees Hall, really, really impressive. Uh, and then you look at also, uh, Ross, Eric Gray at Oklahoma. He's a transfer from Tennessee. Tennessee had like 20 guys transfer out this year. Eric Gray ends up at Oklahoma where he's going to split time with Kennedy Brooks, who opted out a year ago. So great two-man backfield there at Oklahoma with Kennedy Brooks uh, and Eric Gray. But Eric Gray, he's got some cream hunt to him in terms of his ability to make you miss. Uh, He's an impressive player too, and I cannot wait to see him in this Oklahoma backfield. So uh, Oklahoma, uh, they're gearing up. They've got obviously Spencer Rattler. They've got a a senior-laden offensive line. The defensive line I already talked about. They've got some playmakers in the secondary. Offensively, you have Marvin Mims as a freshman or as a true sophomore wide receiver. Uh, They are loaded. It's going to be a fun offense to watch. What about uh, at cornerback, Travius Hodges Tomlinson? Yeah, so he is uh, Ladanian Thomas's nephew. All right, so uh, this kid's undersized, and you're going to worry about the size a little bit, but TCU consistently puts uh, all these cornerbacks out. And honestly, there's gonna, the low-hanging fruit comparison, Ross, is going to be Jason Verrett when he was a first-round pick out of TCU, uh, you know, what was it, like a decade ago almost at this point. Uh, but Tom, uh, Hodges Tomlinson, Really athletic. He's got outstanding feet. He reads the quarterback really, really well from depth, from off coverage. I really like his route instincts in both man and zone. And he's a feisty player. So uh, he probably transitions better to a slot corner. But like Asante Samuel Jr. last year, I do think that he could play on the outside because he's got speed and he's got instincts. So I think ultimately when you look at the way that he plays, between his speed, his instincts, his ball skills, and his toughness, that'll allow him, I think, to still play on the outside. He's been one of my favorite corners that I've studied so far here this offseason. So uh, Trevious Hodges Tomlinson, undersized corner from TCU, but uh, I do think that he's got the ability to stick on the outside in the NFL. Can you give me maybe a uh, a sleeper in the mm. Big 12? So there are a few linebackers that I watch from the Big 12 that I think are really, really interesting. Baylor's got a couple of them. Uh, Terrell Bernard from Baylor. Uh, Jalen Petrie as well is kind of like a Owusu Koromoa type where he's a, a kind of a safety linebacker hybrid. But one guy that could make a huge jump for Texas here this offseason Demarion Overshone, he's like six foot four, 218 pounds, 220 pounds, just really long and rangy. He is an elite athlete for the position. Uh, so you've got coverage ability, but he plays, he's not a, a slot player. He plays stack. I just want to see his gap discipline get a little bit better. It's a new defensive scheme. 
How is he going to adapt here to the new system? But when you watch him from a pure talent standpoint, this guy's got all the tools you're looking for for the modern linebacker. Not a finished product right now. The, if you're just going off of 2020 film, you're talking probably more of a developmental, you know, mid-day three selection. But then when you project moving forward, can he take that next step here in 2021? Well, now you're talking about a guy that really, really could be uh, a day two or maybe potentially even a day one selection. His athleticism, uh, comparable to like a Jameen Davis, who was a first-round pick by out of Kentucky this year. You know, one of the other things I like, Fran, is when you are uh, posting stuff on social media, you'll post clips of some of the top prospects, which is great. But you'll also mention when, like, somebody catches your eye, someone that, you know, you're not even trying to look at that kid. You're trying to look at a senior or an upperclassman, and there's, like, a young guy that catches your eye. Anybody in the Big 12, any young guys for down the line that have caught your eye? The one for sure, uh, and I alluded to him earlier, he is the he was a true freshman last year. He's a true sophomore this year, so you're not talking about him until at least 2023. That's Marvin Mims, the, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. He's got the makings roster to be basically as good as any of the, you know, any of the smaller receivers we've seen come out in recent years. If you want to say Marquise Brown, he say, plays the same position in the same offense. Kind of reminds me of a, of a Calvin Ridley type in terms of he's a little bit of a slender build. He plays the ball so well in the air. He tracks it well. He can finish. He can high point. He's tough. He's got some savvy to him as a route runner, which for a true freshman wide receiver really, really impressed me. I'm excited to see him in a more expanded role. He was more of like a backup and role player as a freshman that really just kind of flashed. I remember the, the Oklahoma State game. I think he only had two catches in that game. The one was an outstanding, like a deep crossing route where he leapt up and made a great diving catch. Uh, this guy's got top end speed and the ability to win with the ball in his hands. In that offense, He's got the ability to be special. You know, it's kind of crazy, Fran. Here we are doing the Big 12, and I think like 85% of the guys you just talked about were Oklahoma guys. Yeah. I mean, are, are they that much better? Like, are, are there not – there's not – I mean, yeah, an Iowa State guy, a TCU guy, nobody from Texas, nobody from Oklahoma State. So Texas, they've got some young players that I think they're hoping can take that next step. They had some transfers this year. Um, Iowa State, they've certainly got players. I mean, uh, you know, I mentioned Hall, but, uh, you know, you, you go on offense and defense. They, they're very senior-laden on defense. But you know how this is, Ross. College football is driven by head coach and by quarterback. And Oklahoma, you would argue, has the best of both in the Big 12 right now uh, with Lincoln Riley and with Spencer Rattler. And so uh, they're going to go as far as those two take them. Yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting. Iowa State has a bunch of good tight ends still, right? Yes. That have been there, like, forever. Yes. Uh, Charlie Kolar has been there. Uh, I'm pretty sure this will be his third president that he's uh, been there with Cyclones. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they've, there's been, they've got a, a few guys that uh, are really good on offense, obviously uh, led by uh, by the quarterback uh, as well there in Brock. So what I think, think you, per, What do you think of him? Last question. Yeah, I think when you look at overall, he's he's capped in terms of his ceiling, right? I think the, the, the big thing that I liked about him last year when I studied him, so a year ago going into the 2020 season, I, he had like that gunslinger mentality. I think that when you then go, I think he went too far on the other side of the ledger and was a little bit reckless with the football a year ago. Still the same amount of interceptions, but I just felt like he put the ball in harm's way too often. So I'd like to see him kind of lean in to what he's good at, right? I, look, you, you're a touch passer, anticipation, get the ball out, good timing, rhythm in that offense. It's a well-schemed uh, offense out there. Lean into that. Don't try and do too, too much. Uh, but I, I, I kind of like what Purdy can do uh, as a player. I think he's going to stick in the NFL. The arm talent is just going to cap his ceiling. 
Check him out on social media at Eagles XOs. If you're an Eagles fan or just a football fan, now is the perfect time to follow Fran. My hero saving the day today for the College Draft Podcast. Well done. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. You got it, Ross. Thanks, man. Other than that, we'll get back to the Big Ten and Emory next week. The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.